For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Matt Barrows, our 49ers beat writer, about what the Niners are going to do this offseason, and maybe more importantly, what they're going to do in the draft, and maybe more importantly than that, what they're going to do with the quarterback position. Over 40 guys on the roster, free agents as the 49ers head into what may be the most difficult offseason that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have had to deal with, which may also include losing a defensive coordinator and front office personnel. All stuff we can talk about with Matt Barrows, who joins me next. It's Friday, January 8th. It's always fun when we can talk to Matt Barrows about the 49ers. Matt, you've been, obviously, you're you're the insider and the writer for The Athletic, but it's great that you're coming on the update with us uh, regularly this year, man. And it's an end of the season, I think, earlier than people wanted as far as 49er fans go. But for you, man, you didn't travel at all this year anyway, man. You're just kind of kicking back. So how is it now that you're cruising into the offseason? Yeah, I was on my uh, sofa just uh, putting bonbons in, in my mouth the whole the whole season. Um, it was a different season, for sure. I mean, um, everything was done via Zoom. There was no contact with players, no contact with, with coaches. And this goes back to the draft in April that it started this way. So that became the usual. And um, once this is over, it's going to be startling to actually go into a press conference, go into a locker room talk to these guys face-to-face because, uh, boy, we're about to go on a year where uh, all this remote stuff has been the norm. Did you feel this year, like, and I've wondered this for all the beat writers, was it more difficult to get a temperature of the locker room this year or to get to know guys or to find your storylines or to understand how guys were feeling? I understand it was much different, especially because the 49ers ended up in Arizona, but from a beat writer standpoint or from a uh, getting the story out standpoint, how did that go for you? How did the, uh, the relationship with the team and you go this year? I got a question like that in a mailbag, and I'm I'm sort of wrestling with it in my mind because there were some guys, like Trent Williams won our Good Guy Award, the award that the media gives out to the player who's the most helpful, the most insightful. So, I mean, there were um, guys who sort of transcended Zoom, and you did feel as if you you learned about that player and, and he did share things, and I'm not sure we would have gotten anything out of Trent Williams in the locker room that we didn't on Zoom, if, if you catch my drift. Some guys just kind of handled the, the medium better. Other guys, I don't know, it's like they were in an interrogation room or something like that, and it was very kind of curt, and you didn't learn very much. So it really depended on the player. For me, it's it was sort of the, like last year, I did a, a popular story about the defensive linemen and you know, how they go out to steak dinners and how they play pranks on the rookies where they you know, stick the guys with the bill. You know, nothing too deep, but it was the type of story where you needed to kind of cruise around the locker room. You didn't want to have the whole gaggle of media with you when you were asking the questions, things like that. Those types of stories were impossible to do this season. And it would have been good, too. I mean, they were in Arizona for a month, so what do you like to do in Arizona? Those types of things, you know, I don't think I'm going to win the Pulitzer with any of those, but it would have been more, you know, interesting sort of uh, behind the scenes stuff that was just impossible to get this year. 
Yeah, you're sort of people pieces. What video games are you playing? Where are you hanging out in Arizona? How you exactly. guys are get, passing the time? Yeah, obviously it was much different than what anybody's dealt with. And this offseason, I think, is going to be different than, than what John and Kyle have dealt with since they got here. It's going to be maybe the most overturned roster, maybe losing some coaches, potentially uh, uh, some front office personnel. Adam Peters, all that stuff is up in the air. So when you look at this team and we look at where they are this offseason, I sort of feel like before they can make the decision to go forward with where they spend the money and, and whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo comes back they've probably got to identify where the window is for them right like what the goal is for next season what do you make of where they stand right now do you think they view this as a team and a roster that can get back to the Super Bowl next year if they make a couple of tweaks or do you think they're probably in a retool mode right now yeah I always said that their decision on Robbie Gold would kind of tell you what they thought of their team and their prospects and the idea being that if they brought back an expensive veteran kicker it tells you that oh we we have a shot at winning the, the Super Bowl again. And if, if they decided to, to move on from gold and go with a, a young guy, a, a Tristan Viscaino type of guy, that would say that they're you know in, in a bit of a, a mini rebuild. Well, they, they didn't bring gold back on the contract, the team option contract, which would have made him the highest salary cap figure for any kicker in 2021. It's still high. I don't know exactly where the rank is, but it's it's definitely top 10. But my point being that I feel like gold tells you where they see themselves, and they see themselves as a, as a contender. You know, whether that's accurate or not, whether they should take this year as, as a pause year and, and redo it, that's up for argument. But I, I don't think uh, there's much argument to the fact that the 49ers see themselves as a team that's competing in the NFC. And the argument in favor of that is that, you know, there's no real obvious NFC power right now. You've got the Chiefs in the AFC. You've got the the Bills as um, sort of the the heir apparent there. Some other teams, Steelers, Ravens, uh, always hanging around. But the NFC seems like it's winnable and would be winnable next year as well. You know, Green Bay, obviously terrific quarterback, defenses, Suspect, you don't know what's happening with the New Orleans uh, quarterback spot moving forward. So I think that's how the 49ers see it. Our window is open. We can get back to the Super Bowl. Let's make another run at this. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When you look at the powers that be in the NFC, it's it's probably got the opportunity for the most parity, right? That you mentioned Green Bay, you mentioned New Orleans. These are teams in Tampa Bay, even this year, getting into the playoffs with Brady. These are teams with aging quarterbacks. So you figure Russell Wilson probably got enough of a run in him for the next few years for his career. But as far as trying to become that power in the NFC, there were some rumors this week, and I'm only bringing this up because it appears that anytime a big name comes up, people want John and Kyle to look into it or, or pick up the phone and call. And it kind of seems like since they've been here, that's what they've done that's that Deshaun Watson may become available and it sort of feels like if an NFC team were to snatch up Deshaun Watson this is a guy who's maybe a top five quarterback has the ability or the potential to be a top three maybe one of the best quarterbacks if not the best in the NFL behind Mahomes and and, and Josh Allen at some point in his career what do you make about the potential availability of him and do you think that's a phone call that that John would at least kick the tires on and and see what the uh, availability is and what he would cost yeah, if they could get um, Watson for how the Cardinals got Hopkins in this yeah. last offseason. <laughs> yeah, David Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, they should definitely do it. There was some thought in league circles that this wasn't entirely genuine. It was more of a, a power play for Watson to have some say 
in who the new head coach is. Um, obviously, Houston just hired a, a GM and Nick Casario. So no one's quite sure whether that's legitimate or not. It was just sort of floated as an idea. And if it was legitimate, there would be a line of teams also kicking the tires on this. And it would come down to draft pick compensation, I, w- I would imagine. That's what Houston, which doesn't have it, would be seeking. And I'm not sure the 49ers are the team to be doling out draft picks. They just don't have the resources that other teams might have. So I would say that they would be you know, among the teams interested. Uh, I, I just feel like they would get edged out in that situation. But maybe, you know, maybe their advantage would be that Deshaun Watson has, has a say in that. You know, Deshaun Watson would want to come to a team like we just discussed that is in the NFC, that does have uh, an open window, that does have some some quality players. Um, some uh, you know, this would be assuming that the 49ers resign left tackle Trent Williams, somebody protecting his blind side, et cetera, et cetera. So the fit for sure from both sides would be good. Uh, I'm sure Watson would love to be on a team that that does play action, that runs the ball as efficiently as the 49ers do. Any quarterback would. So it's intriguing, but uh, we're just going to have to file this under. At this point, it's just a report, sort of the, the latest quarterback-type report that just drives NFL Twitter bonkers. It's the great story, right? That's what makes NFL a, a 365 sport, right? It's because you get these topics. This team's out of the playoffs, and playoffs haven't started. And we're talking about maybe a huge-name quarterback moving teams. And we should note that Pro Football Talk started this, and Pro Football Talk is the king of starting the quarterback rumor mill because they know that that drives traffic. It just drives drives people bonkers in every city. Every city hates their incumbent quarterback, except for Kansas City. Every city thinks that they can do better than their incumbent quarterback. And so, you know, it's a 30-city it's type of story that just drives interest from all across the, the country. Let me ask you this. You, you mentioned Trent Williams twice. You mentioned him as sort of the uh, the good guy award winner, but also you just mentioned him as far as if you were, I mean, sort of no matter what you do at quarterback, I think you'd like him to be back next year. You made that trade. You've got a little equity in that move already. You talked about Robbie Gould sort of being an indicator of where they thought they would be this year. Do you think signing Trent Williams does the same thing? Do you think if they were to bring him back, that says to the team and to the fan base that we expect to win now? Absolutely. And, and I mean, it's such a big ticket item to have that that left tackle there. If they didn't resign him, I think that becomes their top target in the draft. The pick that they would make at number 12, or maybe they would even go up higher for the best left tackle in the draft. I mean, that that's how important that position is as far as whoever is at quarterback. And, and that's really been an issue for the 49ers is they've been leaky on the interior of their line in recent years. And that's been problematic at, at key points, including in the Super Bowl last year. So keeping that unit as firm as possible, I think, kind of all fits this idea that if we're going to challenge for the NFC title, we need a, a kicker who can make kicks at the end of games. And Robbie Gold has done that. And we need somebody to protect the quarterback's blindside. So uh, I, I think that that would all kind of point to the same conclusions that are being reached in uh, in the front office. And I think it's also sort of fair to say that if they believe that they're going to compete in the NFC next year, and, and again, they were competitive at times this year, even without their best roster, which is why I think, and, and I guess if Salah leaves, it makes it a little bit more difficult or, or a different voice there for the defense. But I think the reason that they would believe they're still competitive is because of the play of the defense over the last two years. Everybody looks to the Super Bowl season and says they got there because of the defense. If you assume you're getting Nick Bosa back, and even if you lose 
lose a little bit in the secondary. You make a couple of additions. Is it served a reason that they could be competitive on the defensive side of the ball, even maybe without Sala if they get healthy next year? Yeah, I mean, and that, and that goes to what kind of continuity would they have without Sala? And I, I asked Shanahan this question, I think it was the last question of their end-of-season presser, and he really seemed, I don't want to say unconcerned, but um, he seemed to think that if Sala moved on, and obviously his his first preference is to have Sala back, if Sala did move on, the 49ers would be in good hands. Um, he, he did not seem like somebody who was stressing out about finding a defensive coordinator. And I can tell you from, from calling around, they haven't done a lot of work in, as far as securing, uh, you know, a Raheem Morris or talking to a Gus Bradley. That tells me that, you know, maybe they go in-house. They go with the, the D'Amico Ryan's option if Salah does move on. I think that there will be other options, and maybe this is why Shanahan is so confident. You know, you've got Raheem Morris is out there. I mentioned him, Gus Bradley, Dan Quinn, Chris Richard, lots of guys who have run this specific defense. They're all variations of, of the same theme, but the central idea is the same. It's the Seattle base defense that Salah's been running. So, again, he just didn't seem overly concerned about it, and I think that's because he knows he's got good in-house options if it came to that. And he also has guys, as you noted, who have been in the system for a long time. So that, that brings a degree of stability there. I mean, you've got Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. You've got Jimmy Ward. We were talking about this on our podcast the other day, is that this was a really good tackling team. You know, just the the very basics of defense, you know, which seems something that that every defense should have. But there's so many teams out there, college football, NFL football, that can't tackle very well. And the 49ers were in this category for a long time. But this past year, they were very good at that basic element of playing defense. So, uh, again, I feel like that's something that that gives Shanahan, that gives Lynch confidence that no matter who's calling the shots, this is still going to be a good, at the very you know, basic level, it's going to be a good, if not really good, uh, unit next season. I feel about it the same way you've talked about it, that they may you know, fill that position in-house if they have to, because they're not eagerly going to sign somebody right now, but they're also sort of up in the air with what's going to happen with Salah. One more for you, just on that same line of thought. I haven't heard Chris Kacerich's name mentioned at all as far as a guy who could leave with Salah or a guy who's in conversations as a defensive coordinator. Is that not an aspiration for him, or is that not a, a job that they think uh, would be a good fit for him? Or, or have you heard anything about Kacerich? I just feel like he's been the unsung and the sung hero for the Niners over the last couple years on defense I haven't asked him specifically and and, and I should have uh, in the past and and he's very valued by this team I'm pretty sure if he's not the highest paid position coach on that defense uh, he, he's up there so my point is that they're compensating him well I don't think that he was a solid guy ie I don't, I don't think it was Sala's idea to bring him in I, I think it was more of a Shanahan idea, and, and I don't know this for sure, but that, that's my sense of the, the situation. So I don't think that if Sala were to leave, he'd be taking Kacerik with him. I think Kacerik stays, and I think he stays in the same role that he's in. And sometimes, you know, defensive line coaches are very unique. Let's just put it that way. And uh, a lot of times these guys don't aspire to be defensive coordinators. They love being defensive line coaches. And Kacerik played defensive line in college. His mentor 
Jim Washburn is, is an old defensive line coach. It, it, it is notable, though, that Washburn did become a defensive coordinator later in his career. So maybe Kacerik wants to follow that path. Uh, but um, it, it seems like Ryan's would be the guy that, uh, that, that Shanahan would promote if it came down to that. Great insight as always, Matt. You're hitting the offseason, man. Enjoy the football this weekend. You can get on the couch and, uh, and start stuffing bonbons back in your face, dude. That's right. Yeah, I'm up to uh, 350, 375 now. Um, <laughs> my goal is to reach 400 by, uh, by the time the combine ro- rolls around. Okay, anybody who's listening and doesn't know the size of a Matt Barrows, 350 is outrageous. My 10-yard split in the 40, it's still pretty damn good. <laughs> you may be on the D-line with Kacerik next year, dude. Appreciate you, Matt. We'll catch you later, man. Thanks so much. All right, anytime. Always enjoy talking to Matt Barrows, man. And I'm not kidding, dude. There's no way he's ever getting to 350, dude. Like, that's <laughs> as far as the weight Matt could put on. He'd have to be eating uh, a whole lot to reach 350. So good insight. It's going to be a tumultuous, maybe not in a bad way. It could be a a, a much different offseason than we've seen from the 49ers in the past. And the development of guys like Javon Kinlaw was big this year uh, as well. So get healthy. Make sure you've got your quarterback, whether it's Jimmy G uh, or, or somebody else. And make sure you can get Trent Williams signed up and, and you could be poised for a little bit of a run in the NFC next season. By the way, you can always check out Matt Barrows on the Here's the Catch podcast throughout the 49er season with David Lombardi and Dennis Brown. Thank you to Matt. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. We'll continue to bring you the best stories in Bay Area sports, but actually we'll go to a little bit of a national story on Monday. We'll talk to Rod Gilmore, covers college football, about the national championship, Ohio State and Alabama, for the CFP title game on Monday night. We'll talk to Rod Gilmore about that, but until then, enjoy the football this weekend, be safe, and we'll talk to you then.